Hi, I'm Charles. I'm Christine. And, and we, we eat stuff. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the podcast We Eat Stuff and Talk About Things. My name is Christine Guthrie, and I am one half of We Eat Stuff. Welcome. In this podcast, we are seeking out people in St. Louis related to food, cooking, drinking, and eating. And you guys, today is a really big day. I am very happy to pronounce. Um, I can't quite believe I'm making this announcement, but this today is our 100th interview featured on this podcast. So um, do you know how much of an achievement that is? I listen to quite a lot of podcasts, and some of them have a whole bunch of episodes, some of them not so many. Um, I've heard about some average regarding podcasts, and I, I don't know how much truth there is to it, but it says that the average podcast lasts for seven episodes. So I want to say thanks, you guys, because without you listening and downloading and tuning in every week and then encouraging us to interview more folks, um, we wouldn't be here. So thanks. Today, I'm really excited to present an interview with someone who's been on our list since the beginning, since we started this podcast, and that is Rex Hale. Rex is busily working on his new restaurant located in Godfrey, Illinois, called Bakers and Hale. What is there to say about Rex? Um, he is the consummate host. Rex has been cooking food all over the world, as you will hear about, um, mostly because he loves meeting people. He loves meeting people and showing them hospitality. That's kind of uh, like the idea behind our podcast here. And Rex believes that everyone has something interesting to say. Thanks so much for tuning in, and please enjoy our conversation with Rex Hale. Uh, Rex, hello. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing today? We're awesome. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for making the time to come over. Really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Great to have, great to finally make it here. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, tell us about this this bottle, this lovely bottle we are about to open up. So that is a Norton 2015 from Augusta Vineyards, mm -hmm. which is an Augusta couple that run it. They do a fabulous mm -hmm. job. They also own Montel as well. They make mm -hmm. great, great wines here in Missouri. And um, <clears throat> the restaurant we're getting ready to open, Bakers and Hale, will be featuring a lot of local liquors, beers, wines, etc. Um, because that's what I believe in is keep your money in your community. So if we're buying from people in our local mm -hmm. neighborhoods and they're producing good products, we mm -hmm. should be servicing them. So absolutely. Do the oh, yes, yes. Cause I just, uh, just, uh, went through my, uh, pre-sound course with Denise Mueller. Oh yeah. It's very enjoyable. Oh yeah. I watched that. <laughs> <laughs> very fun. Actually. So you just had your last class, what, five days ago? Uh, yes. Yes. I guess I should have been talking to person. I've been like, thank you for coming today, sir. My name is Charles. Uh, today we have a lovely Augusta uh, Norton uh, 2015. Now make sure to show the bottle. Yes, <laughs> yes. Show, show the label. And when I gotta make sure that uh, when I take it off, we don't have a corpus smell, so I'm just going to pocket it. Well, we can smell the aluminum, right? <laughs> we could, yes. yes, yes, yes. But uh, then I, could, I first got to do the host, just 
Wine bottle facing. I should have it served yet. I don't have it served yet, so I should do that. But just a little bit of our taste and twist up. There you go. Oop, should have it served yet there. Oh, well. Right. Oh, it's perfect. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. Excellent. Now, first we serve. <laughs> you must go around clockwise around the table mm -hmm. and serve. First, go elderly lady, young lady. So you're a young lady. So thank you. Thank you. I can't go fully around clockwise because well, I can sneak past you. Here. Yes. Pardon my reach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, careful, Mr. Guthrie. It's a little wiggly there. I know. Oh my gosh. That's all right. And host the last one. Bottle facing the host. Will there be anything else, sir? No, that's awesome. Well, thanks for coming. Yes. So much. Much. I'm done that. Absolutely amazing <laughs> job. I'll make sure to put in a good word with Denise. With Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Well, Excellent. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Thanks for Thank coming. You. Cheers. Good to see you. That's nice. Yeah, it's mm. nice, right? Fruits grown right here in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. it is very fruity. In, mm. in Norton, that's a, that's a fox grape, right? It's like uh, local to America. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a hybridized grape that's grown mm. in in Missouri. Mm. Uh, they grow it in Virginia as well. Mm. Number of states where <clears throat> the climate can be kind of tricky, so they try to grow these grapes that. Mm. Are not necessarily vinifera, but they produce really good fruit. So, mm. very good. All right, Rex, I'm, I'm just going to throw an open-ended question to start <laughs> things off. Um, tell everybody who's listening, who are you? Uh, I'm Rex Hale. I'm the new chef uh, at Baker's and Hale in Godfrey, Illinois. Mm -hmm. um, grew up in the St. Louis area. Uh, lived all over the world. Um, moved back in 2002 and have been here since and uh, left in 75 that gives you an indication how long I'd been gone mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> excited to be working in a restaurant where I'm actually going to be able to have produce being grown on our property as well as herbs and buying from local farmers and producers and uh, ranchers, etc., where we'll buy everything and use everything from local suppliers, which mm -hmm. is to me awesome. Wonderful. And what I really, what I really enjoy. Yeah. Now you just announced this in the in the last six to eight weeks, correct? Uh, maybe less time than that. Less than actually. that. Yeah, it's probably uh, maybe about three weeks ago. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. And it seems longer than that because yeah. I think I told you that this may be happening before. Yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. Maybe so. Now, um, what led you to choose a location in Godfrey? Well, <clears throat> I've always wanted to run a restaurant where there's actually ability to have a farm on the side of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, I've been doing this, like I said, all over the world. And when I was in Antigua, which is in the British uh, West Indies, I worked on an island off the coast of Antigua where um, we had a two and a half acre garden that wow. supplied for the restaurant mm -hmm. and we had fabulous staff to work it because besides, besides the farm that we did all the produce on, they also were doing all the horticulture for all the plants and all the rooms. So we had 
about 6,000 orchid plants that were being, basically they were part of the room amenity, so every room would have live orchids in it, or maybe some of them would have three or four plants. So you had to have that many plants. So the hotel was a 38-room hotel with another um, 12 um, basically suites or upgraded. They're probably twice the size, and then 10 private homes on the island at the time. And so they would manage all of that. And we had, what was great about that farm was you're in a location where the sun Mm -hmm. is so consistent and the sunlight is so consistent that you would get bare off your tomato plants. They just keep bearing and bearing Mm -hmm. and bearing because you didn't have the daylight sensitivity. And for example, the basil, which we would actually finally pull them up by the stump Mm -hmm. Mm. and then dry them to use in the pizza oven to cook our pizzas with oh, wow. because you get stumps of basil this big around. Huh. I mean, bigger than softball size. Wow. Wow, wow. And you'd have to pull them out because you need to replant to get better leaf growth. Yeah. So, oh. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah and, and then, the, like, when I was in California, I mean, when I was in Los Osos, I had a little restaurant there, and on my way to work, I'd walk on my way to work, and... I'd walk by this little Japanese lady every day and she had asparagus growing in her garden and I'd knock on the door, she'd go out and clip asparagus, hand it to me and I'd mm-hmm. take it to work. And that's what I would serve for dinner. So yeah. to me, <clears throat> growing up, like I'd mentioned earlier, growing up in a farm relationship with my family, I've been around this since I was a child and I really don't think there's a better way to cook or to eat and I really don't think that we should be eating any other way. So mm. to have that have that ability to make that full commitment is just something that I'm really thrilled about. Mm. Now, from a young age, did you think that you wanted to be involved in cooking and food? Uh, wow, that's an interesting question. <laughs> <clears throat> yes and no. I mean... Probably by the time I was 10 or 11 years old, um, I was looking at Bon Appetit and Gourmet Magazine and cooking recipes out of there. Hmm. I grew up, I, I, I mentioned earlier that my father was a school teacher, my mother worked, so I love foods at an early age, so I was always making things for myself and my brothers and sisters for lunch or for dinner and that sort of thing. But then I went to school for a degree in biology and chemistry, and along the way, um, I just started pursuing the kitchen for extra income Mm -hmm. and got out of school and never turned back. (laughs) So, because, you know, I was going to do research in biology, and Mm -hmm. I stopped and thought about how I so enjoyed working in in a kitchen because there's not a day that goes by that something's not different. In the restaurant mm. business, you're constantly being challenged and you have so much interaction with people. And in research, you're working with four or five people. It's the same people all the time. The research is extremely interesting to me, but the downside was the lack of people interaction. And mm. once I started doing this, I didn't want to look back. Right. Because to me, that whole whole aspect of being social and being around people is something that I thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. Now, was your father, he was a school teacher, was he also in science? Yeah, my, my father was a chemistry teacher at University oh. City High School. Okay. I mean, he's got some really prolific alumni that have I've met over the years. He recently passed away, but 
Um, there's a former professor at WashU, hmm. uh, current professor at St. Louis University, that both have come to eat with me and mm. share with uh, me how my father influenced them in their career and their life in high school and explain to some of the crazy tricks that he did and as mm. a teacher at school to keep their attention. And mm. I knew all about them because I witnessed them at home. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now, from, from growing up, do you have any uh, special food or drink memories that you did with your family or your siblings? Yeah, I mean, I remember that barbecue was one of my favorite things as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I remember that every year um, on my birthday, they made sure I had barbecue. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I remember that my father loved to cook and to bake in particular. Mm -hmm. So, and my mother um, made tons of fudge and candies mm -hmm. and things like that as a child. So I can remember, um, I guess my fondest memories would probably be snickerdoodle cookies, mm -hmm. fudge brownies, and gooey butter cake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those were things that I grew up with as a child. And as a kid, who doesn't like sweets, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. So you have a really great sense of hospitality, I think. I mean, you just really welcome people into your place. Every time you've gone to a place you've worked, like, where'd you get that kind of graciousness and just like that kind of wonderful well, kind of post presence? I I think that it comes from probably experience as well as um, just genuinely liking to be around hmm. people. As I mentioned earlier. I think the thing that really drew me to this industry was you get to meet so many different people. And to me, that's exciting because you, everybody has a story. And if you allow them to, you know, connect with you, you can learn about people and you can have a great time. And they're also having a great time because people want to share their story with you so and but really when i say experience because like i said earlier i'd worked all over the world so i worked at some really really high profile resorts in south yeah. africa and antigua and virgin gorda in california and the one thing that you learn in service at places like that is the most important thing for anyone is to listen to what they have to say and connect with them and I'll never forget as long as I live <clears throat> watching um, maids who were cleaning bathrooms and like for example in Virgin Gorda and the guest was lost they didn't know where they were mm -hmm. well they would literally walk them wherever it was in the property and it mm -hmm. could be could be 15 minutes away on the property but they would take the time and walk them there and explain to them where they wanted to go and what they needed to do and, and I guess when you see that every day and that everybody's picking up anything that drops on the floor, it really kind of rubs off on you and you realize it's the right thing to do. And, you know, like I said, growing up in, um, in a community like the farm community that I grew up every summer, <clears throat> you, you witness people working together. I mean, whenever, whenever anybody would harvest, all the neighbors would get together and harvest and you know, they'd help, help each other harvest the crops, whatever they had coming in, and they all worked together, and then they cooked together afterwards. So I think that um, it comes from all of that, you know, witnessing probably not the right thing to do, sure. and saying to yourself, 
I'm going to file this away for later because <laughs> if I'm running a kitchen, I'm really not going to do that. Mm. And I learned that at a very early age. So, um, and that's how kitchens were run back then. Though. Mm. I mean, and it, you know, there are probably still some today that run their kitchens that way, but you know, in today's age, people are really just not going to tolerate that. And so you have to be passionate about helping the people that are at your restaurant have a great experience, as well as the people that you employ having a great experience, making sure that they're growing and they're developing and they're given the opportunities to succeed and, and to increase in their career. Mm. Can you tell us about what your first restaurant job was in St. Louis? In St. Louis, yeah, my first restaurant job in St. Louis <clears throat> was in 1979. Hmm. Um, I worked at Tony's when oh. uh, Tony's was on the location where it right used to be right next door to Ford Hotel Supply hmm. before the Edward Jones Dome was built. Wow! Wow! So Vince um, and Tony Bomarito worked together at that time. Hmm. Shortly after I worked there. Um, Tony left, but Vince was still running the place. Um, I got the job because I had interviewed at a country club called Old Orson Country Club, and he didn't have anything available for me, mm. but he felt he felt so good about my passion and my commitment mm. to wanting to cook that he introduced me to Vince Pomerito and he hired me for the job. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first job in the St. Louis area in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And great experience. Um, what hospitality that Vince Marmorito mm. exudes, one of, the, one of the absolute premier in the country as sure. far as um, attentive to detail, maintaining cleanliness and organization and high standards, um, just extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And that was Vince Sr. Vince Jr. came along a little bit later than that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't think we've ever been to Tony's. No, we haven't. No. Uh, mm. That was that was quite a few years ago. Though, mm. so. yeah, yeah. And then I worked for Jean Claude Guissot. I don't know if you know that name, but you probably know Marcel Caravelle, which mm -hmm. um, had Cafe de France for years. Yeah. They were, you know, they worked together on a couple different things. I worked at a restaurant called um, what was it called? Even uh, I can't even remember the name of it now. Mm -hmm. But it was out off of uh, Mason in West County, mm -hmm. and they had a restaurant downtown, um, Cafe de France, before yeah. they moved to Clayton. Yeah. And then I left the city. Then I ended up in Houston, mm -hmm. and which I mentioned, which was the Meridian Hotel. It was called uh, Cafe de France. And then from there, I went to the American Restaurant for the first time, which was quite a few years ago in 1981, 82, and um, worked there and then, then moved on to Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Wow. Oh, oh, wow. wow. Then you worked there. Wow. Yeah. So I worked at Commander's Palace when Emeril Lagasse just took over as chef, probably. Oh, wow. wow. He was there about maybe a year mm. before um, I came on board there. Mm. Does he actually say BAM in real life? Um, <laughs> or is that just well, TV? that's TV, but, <laughs> but you know what's really interesting is that that persona that he had on television mm -hmm. was really kind of developed, mm -hmm. and when anybody would ever ask me, I would say that the persona he had on television was 
Emerald when he was playing pool after about two or three cocktails of beers. <laughs> and, and I think what happened was he probably went out with whoever was doing the, the show with him or maybe somebody that was recommending different techniques for mm-hmm. him and, <laughs> and said, why don't you carry this persona that you have after you have a couple drinks in uh-huh. the show? Wow. And and he then he's a lot more animated. Yeah, really, yeah. he's a pretty shy guy and very mm-hmm. very, you know, very very good person. Mm-hmm. So, I hear Guy Ferrari's kind of that story too. He's actually yeah. not like that. No, I think a lot, I think a lot of them really it's for television to yeah. create the animation to keep your attention drawn sure. to your personalities. Yeah. And you know, at, at the end of the day. Um, I don't know how you could keep that persona all the time. <laughs> that would be exhausting yourself and other people, too. Yeah. I would think you'd wear most everybody out, right? That's yeah. true. I mean, yeah. it kind of seems to me, so we, we know a couple people in St. Louis, like yourself, who've been around a, a very, very long time. Like, last year we met for the first time Bill Cardwell. Oh, yeah, Bill's a great guy. He's a great yeah. guy, yes. Yeah, I actually know Bill Cardwell from Kansas City. Oh, well, really? Well, when I was at the American Restaurant for the second time, uh, my wife at the time actually worked with Bill at Plaza 3 Restaurant. Oh. And Bill was the corporate chef for the group that had uh, fedoras and um, what's the restaurant on seafood restaurant? Oh, my gosh. Uh... It's, in Kansas City? Yeah, it's in Kansas City, but they mm. also have one on Olive um, here in St. Oh, Louis. Bristol's? Yeah, yeah. Bristol. Yeah. So they, he was a corporate chef for them. He created the concept for Fedora, oh. mm-hmm. and then he opened the one here in St. Louis as well, and mm-hmm. then I think he went on to open his own place here in St. Louis, and mm. he's been here since. Yeah. So he's a great guy. Yes. I've known Bill for a long, long time. He is. One, one of the few people who has uh, longevity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like uh, Zoe's another one we got to meet. And oh, yeah. Zoe's well. awesome. yeah, she, yeah, she really is. She really is. She's just a yeah. class act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really is. Mm-hmm. And she opens some outstanding restaurants. Her oh, yes. attention to detail is just like over the top. It yeah. is. It's great. Yeah. Have you She's been to been, her new place yet? I, I have not. I'm yeah. really it's good. excited it's good. to get there. So it, I'm, I'm sure it's unbelievable. It is. Um, yeah. And it's, there's naked ladies on the wall, too. <laughs> <laughs> So it's uh, the color scheme is black and white, yep. basically. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really need uh, black and white uh, art as well. And the food in the restaurants are always so good. And oh, yeah. It's yes. just a fabulous job with the food. I actually did an event with them um, at Miley a few, mm. uh, sometime last year. I want to mm-hmm. say it was like October of last year. Mm-hmm. And they had a great time. Had never met me before, but what a great guy. And, yeah. and Zoe was on crutches at times, so she couldn't get around very well. well but That's kind of funny, because um, when we did the podcast with her, she was on crutches, and she came out of her car carrying these armfuls of stuffers to eat and drink, <laughs> and they're like, can we help you? Oh, no, I've got it. You know, so she's that, you yeah, know. She's something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is. Yep, very yeah. impressive lady. Yeah. Um, do you have any questions? Oh, lots of questions, but uh, what started you, uh, you said you worked a lot at restaurants in South Africa and other places. Yeah. How far have you traveled, like, what spurred that on? Uh, I traveled since I was a kid, Mm -hmm. and so I've always been interested in travel, and once I was cooking and knew that I could travel from that, I just never looked back. I mean, I, um had my own painting company when I was 15 years old, believe it or not. Hmm. So, Like painting houses? Yeah, painting houses. Yeah. So 
I made a really substantial income for a 15 year old. So wow, wow. When, hmm. when, uh, when the summer was over before school was ready to start, hmm. I, I frequently take trips across the country in my, my Datsun pickup truck with the cab <laughs> on the back hmm. and, and just, you know, travel from, you know, Texas to Arizona, then up through California and then come back the other side, going hmm. through Montana, Idaho, etc., and just, just loved the United States to tour. And I mean, I did that from a very early age. So then when I started cooking, I thought, well, you know, wouldn't it be great to see the world and actually be in the world while you're cooking? So um, I was at the American restaurant for the second time and then got an offer to go to South Africa. Hmm. And at first I was like, this sounds crazy, but um, I started doing some research into the people that were there, and there was a chef that was there that was uh, at the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills that I knew from um, from my time in Houston. Um, and then there was uh, the GM for the hotel that I was about to go to was the corporate food and beverage director for Rosewood Hotels that I knew in my time in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So I, I decided, okay, well, let me make a trip there. And I did. And it was just the most over-the-top resort you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> there was uh, two casinos. There was um, six hotels. Wow. And it was about an hour and a half from Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. So you're out in the middle of the African bush. <laughs> um, there was Polanisburg Park right next to it, which was just the most extraordinary game reserve you ever seen in your life so Mm. as a chef once I worked there they have to call the game Mm. so obviously I'm all for that (laughs) so it's like we had Impala and Kudu and Wildebeest that we could actually they would call and bring to you and they just basically eviscerate them and bring them fully on some sticks and carried them in. My staff thought I was totally out of my mind. (laughs) Wow. But it was a great experience because then you can do some of the traditional things they did, like making biltong, which is what we would consider jerky, but it's done differently in South Africa. So there I got to really experience a lot of the cultural foods from from South Africa, from the Cape Malay influences to the Indian influences, which is just extraordinary. Wow. How old were we at that time? Oh gosh, that would have been, uh, I'm trying to remember how many years ago that is. <laughs> it's hard sometimes. Yeah, once you're past 40, it's all just kind of a yeah, blob. Yeah, it's, it's just a fade. <laughs> right. So I'd say, let's see, that would have been in about early 90s. Okay. So, yeah, 91 maybe. Wow, wow. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, that was cool. And then I went to Antigua from there. Hmm. And then from Antigua, I went to the Ojai Valley Inn in oh. Ojai, California, hmm. which is just the most idyllic place you've ever been in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you're about three and a half hours from L.A. Hmm. You're about a half an hour from Santa Barbara. Hmm. But there we grew again we had a great garden on mm. property and we had tons of landscapers because the property was huge and we actually would do amenities where they would actually take like dried herbs and fresh herbs and make like wreaths and things like that where you put a bottle of wine and maybe mm. a cheese board inside the wreath it was just mm. it was just unbelievable wow. mm. 
Um, but what was the most unbelievable part of that was the product that was available there. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that there's different growing areas of um, California, but what's most interesting is not far from Ojai is an area called Carpinteria. And in that area, you're on one side of the mountain and the, the growth, you can grow any kind of crop depending on what your elevation is. So I had one of the farmers I worked with and still to this day, I'll never forget it because I did witness some things like this in South Africa too because mm. along the Cape, there's things like that because of the big rock and stone structures protecting. But <clears throat> you literally, in this person's plot, she had persimmon trees and apple trees mm. at the base and every step that you went up, so there were green beans and mm. then there were eggplant and then there were tomatoes and then you got at the top of the hill and there were tropical fruit plants. Wow. So she had guavas, papayas, bananas, wow. and this was all growing in the same yeah. farm. It was the craziest thing I've wow. ever seen in my life. That's why microclimates, wow. Yeah, it was just, it was, but it was because of where they were located and, <laughs> and the protection and you were along the sea, mm. so it made it temperate. It was just, it was just wow. stunning. Wow. So, and then I would go to the Ojai, Ojai Farmer's Market and the Santa Barbara Farmer's Market and load up my car and take everything and bring it back to the restaurant, whatever we didn't grow. So wow. it was just an awesome experience. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can't have that around here, unfortunately. But well, we can do it. <laughs> well, you had, you were getting artichokes to run locally, weren't you? Yeah, Mark Brown uh, grows artichokes locally. He grows a ton of figs locally. Um, and... He does a lot of technique that mm. just is, is just unbelievable. Mm. Um, because the biggest problem to grow artichokes in this climate is the length of the growing season. So <clears throat> he grows them in a greenhouse and then removes the edge, you know, basically takes the sides off the greenhouse mm. once the weather is not mm. as inclement, mm. and then they're growing outdoors. Mm. And so they get the full life cycle wow. that they need to grow. But yeah, I mean, they're just, it's amazing to have that sort of thing. And he's got citrus trees planted as well. But, <laughs> I mean, he tries to do things that are unique because I think he wants to really say, look, we can grow anything that you can grow anywhere else. We just need to be wise enough to figure out how to do it. So, um, and you know, he grows strawberries all year round because he grows, uh, you know, ever-bearing strawberries, mm-hmm. and they grow all year round. Wow. And given the right conditions and treated correctly, you can have them all year. You can have raspberries in the wintertime right here oh, in Missouri. Wow. wow, it's really so, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So Now, I know um, whenever we ask people, they say, who who's someone who's on the forefront about of the, the local growing movement? And they usually say you. They say, Rexdale, <laughs> yes. he's, he's great. He's, lot. he's lot. so friendly with the local growers and farmers. Um, can you tell us about a couple of the farms or people who you think just people ought to know about, ought to seek out around here? <clears throat> wow. Um, yeah, there's so many. I don't there even are. know where to start. I mean, I'll start with Earth Dance Farms because yeah. I think what they do is phenomenal. I think the product they grow is great, but I also think that um, they spend the time to help teach people how to farm, Yeah. which is like a really, really benefit for the community and they're really engaged in the community 
Um, there's always tours coming. Mm -hmm. But then as we talked about earlier, Mark Brown does very similar things, but it's an urban garden mm -hmm. type of thing. And then there's a guy, Gabe Keevan, who has side lot farms mm -hmm. that he does some amazing stuff in a really small amount of area. Mm -hmm. And then there's such and such farms mm -hmm. um, that do some amazing things. And then I buy from uh, Raincrow Ranch, which is in Donathan. It's not in the St. Louis area, but <clears throat> he produces some fabulous pork and, mm -hmm. and beef, and it's sold literally all over the country. His mm -hmm. uh, biggest, he supplies Whole Foods, so he's oh, a wow. big supplier. Wow. Um, and then um, Buttonwood Farms mm -hmm. is another farmer that I use, use a lot of things from. I mean, there's just so many. And, and you know, you've got Mark Jersey Creamery, Ludwig. Mm -hmm. Farmstead Creamery, Beachy Farms, which <laughs> makes some of the best cheese in the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they're so, you know, so quality oriented. I mean, all of them. But, you know, for Beachy Farms, I mean, they sell all over the country. And, you know, they're making cheeses that are really world-class cheeses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, to me, the saddest thing is that people frequently will say, well, we're using their product any of these people and then you find out that they're not really using them on their menus or just saying they are which mm. to me sad because yeah. but people do it so mm. which is you know note to self i will combat that going forward because mm. i mean if you're going to say you're going to do that you really should do it yeah. and i'm really excited about being able to make bread from grains that are grown locally mm. as well um there's uh, there's a lady and there's a couple um, called uh, Mills Mill at Janie's Farm that does uh, organic grains that they'll be distributing. They use at Visia right now mm. and um, excited to be able to work with them real soon too for all the pizza dough and bread dough that we'll be making. Um, but yeah, I mean at the end of the day, you should be buying locally. I I never have understood the premise that it costs more money well it's like it's better yeah yeah i mean like this morning i went to ferguson farmer's market to pick up asparagus from earth dance that was just harvested like either yesterday afternoon or this morning mm -hmm. and you can pick up that asparagus even you know thick ones mm -hmm. and just eat it raw because it's yeah. that tender and that sweet and it's like there's nothing you're going to get from California, Arizona, or anywhere else that's going to be of that quality. It's right. just not possible. And, you know, if you want good food and you want to take care of the people that are taking care of you, you should keep your dollars in your own neighborhood. Absolutely. And, and I guess that's, you know, why people say that, but I've been doing this a long time. I mean, you know, the people that they, other people in this community look up to are, people that are younger but for me the people that i look up to are alice waters jeremiah towers people like that that's mm -hmm. what i grew up with mm -hmm. and so and they did it and they do it today and they serve some of the best ingredients that you can find anywhere and and we have such great producers here yes i mean it's just when you look at what it's grown to i mean remember i told you earlier i left and i left and right out of high school mm -hmm. and um came back in 2002 so mm -hmm. i left in 75 to come back in 2002 mm -hmm. and about 2000 
eight or nine is when I first met Beachy Farms mm -hmm. and was just absolutely blown away by the quality of the product. And then day by day, I start meeting more and more farmers and start to realize there's a real movement in this area. Yeah. And it's so exciting to see, but I mean, that's, you know, that's like it's 2018 now, right? So yeah. that's a few years ago when to see where it's gone from that and to see how many people are out there doing awesome things. It's just really exciting. And Absolutely. to be able to serve those great ingredients either at your home or in a restaurant. But you get good food. You don't have to do too much to it because the food itself is great. So mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you about restaurants and stuff around town. Um, when you go out either by yourself or with your family, can you tell us about some uh, drinks or, or beers or cocktails or meals that you've had around town that you think people ought to know about? Uh, yeah, I love a chero. Oh, yes. yeah. We went there for the first time recently. <laughs> um, loved it so much. Yeah, that's one of my favorite restaurants. Um, it's actually my son's favorite place to eat. Mm -hmm. um, we've taken to him to his for his birthday dinner twice mm -hmm. so far. Um, I love the food they do. I love the simplicity of it and the freshness of the ingredients mm -hmm. and and the quality of the service yeah. and the just total cordiality and yes. Jimmy Fiala runs fabulous restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, the Crossing is also another great restaurant. Yeah, yeah. I go there for lunch all the time and yeah. Clayton used to work down there. Yeah, like a, we had not gone to a chero because it, it had so much good buzz already. It's like we didn't need to go there. We said, let's just go there. And it's, yeah, it's, it is worth the buzz. It's yeah, that it's, good. It's, it is that good. And, and it's it's a great experience. And, you know, obviously I've been to VC and had great experiences there a couple times. Mm -hmm. And um, they do a wonderful job. I love yes. what they're doing with the food. And the I love the bar program, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, the bar program they have there is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Matt from St. Louis Bar Keeps, an old friend of mine. From, <laughs> he worked at Basso. He's a great guy. Yes, too. yes. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as, um, you know, as far as bars, I don't drink a lot of cocktails. I drink mostly wine and beer. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I love uh, what they're doing at uh, Second Shift Brewing. Ah. Um, I love uh, what Old Bakery's doing. I think that's a great mm. place over in Alton, mm -hmm. and that's just down the street from my restaurant. Yeah. So, um, mm. I love what they're doing with their food and food and their beverage program mm -hmm. there. I think they're mm. trying to um, keep it simple, but also serve good food along with the beers that mm. they have there. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as um, wine, I, I like I, that's why I brought the Augusta because I really think that we as a public tend to turn our nose up to these wines of Missouri and all these other like right. small producing states. And it's like, I think you need to give them a chance because every year they're getting better. I mean, I did an event back, um, gosh, how long ago was that? That was 89, I want to say, mm -hmm. something like 88, 89, something like that, <clears throat> with the Missouri uh, wine and ag growers mm -hmm. in um, in uh, Lake of the Ozarks, mm. and the wines at that point in time were decent, <laughs> but some of them were really pretty raucous and mm -hmm. not so great. <laughs> but raucous. now 
I mean, there's so many wineries in Missouri in yeah. particular that are producing wines that are very tasty, mm. very good. And so if I'm to go buy a bottle of wine, I think I should buy from my backyard, just yeah. like I said with yeah. everything else. So there's times where I happen to like drinking Pinot Noir, but I'll go get a bottle of Missouri wine and just have it because it's like it's 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 a good wine, mm-hmm. they're good quality wines, and they're and it's getting better and better every year. Mm-hmm. And here's like a renaissance going on right now with like new world grapes, like with the Labrusca, the Fox grapes that are native to America. Yeah, that actually people are discovering. Oh, these are actually kind of good. Yeah, they are. Yeah, you know, they just weren't using them right before. There's kind of right. Well, I think it it's all in in everything is in grape production like any other kind of production is learning how to handle what you're doing and mm. how to handle the fruit, what to do with the fruit, mm. how to manage the vineyards. And it's getting so much better. I mean, some of the, some of the things that win the governor's cup awards are extraordinary wines mm. and they're being grown right here. And it's mm. like, we need to make sure that we focus on that. I mean, it doesn't have to be the whole extent of your wine list or wine experience, mm. but it should, I mean, I'll give Annie Guns credit because they've had a large list of um, Missouri wines on their list for years. And, and I think that that's just a wonderful thing to do because you're actually able to present those to people in a restaurant setting. Mm. So, but that's something that I will do for sure because mm. I think it's important. I mean, to me, this is a great glass pour yeah. and could be served by the bottle and I think it's a nice glass of wine that could be shared in any kind of format. Yeah. And so again, buy local, support yeah. the people in your own backyard. Yeah, it has Absolutely. a great mouthfeel. It's got a nice jammy blackberry yeah. kind of mm-hmm. flavor too, and just uh, and it's not over the top. In yeah, way. No, exactly. Yeah. It's very tasty. Um, I'm just going to ask a couple more questions of you, Rex, just before we sign off here. So. Uh, this is probably going to come out uh, beginning of June, so in a couple weeks from now. So tell people, with your new place that you're opening, what can they expect? Uh, what What do you want to bring to Godfrey and to the people in St. Louis here? <clears throat> well, I, I want to bring food that's um, American comfort food. Mm-hmm. It'll be a combination of new American comfort food and true American comfort mm. food. And what is American food after all anyway? So um, when I think of American food, I think of tacos, I think of pizzas, I think (laughs) of things like that. And so, and I think of barbecue and I think of smoke. So it'll it'll be an eclectic mix of foods that some simple, some complex, um... Some that would be, you'd find in a fine dining type establishment that will be done in, in a much more casual setting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some that are just real friendly and in your face. Mm. And so, <clears throat> all with great ingredients, the focus is being on the best ingredients that you can use. And um, to me, uh, food is about um, being social. Mm. And I think that treating food simply and letting the ingredients shine is what food's all about and so that that's pretty much what it is we'll have bar bar components there's a large bar component we have actually a bar outside as well oh, wow. um, that'll be great especially during the summer and we may actually heat it during the winter if it goes over well mm. enough cool. and um, a nice bar component, like 80 seats at a bar, as well as like another 20-something stools in it. So mm-hmm. um, great, great space. And um, just excited to serve 
food that is comfort food that anyone can eat and enjoy yet also keep a nice you know twist to it to make it exciting for the exciting diners and there'll be a lot of um, possibilities for vegetarians for people that are gluten-free there won't be a lot of issues mm -hmm. for the people that can't eat gluten well it won't have to be part of your dish mm -hmm. and that's to me how you should be cooking today anyway you should be sensitive to the people you're cooking for and not make it a struggle for them but make it easy for them so that when they ask what's gluten-free on the menu you can assure them that anything that doesn't have breads probably gluten-free mm -hmm. so yeah um, and that'll be a number of things and uh, so those are those are the type of things um, the menu will change <clears throat> all the time because of the seasonality of food and the food will drive the menu um, but the focus is like small plates, pizzas, pasta, meats, fish, things like that, and salads, obviously a big component of salads. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, now, did this location used to be something, or is it a new construction? No, it's, it used to be, I believe it was called the Rotten Apple in Godfrey. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. It was a bar, and I think there's still one in Bethalto. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, and they moved out about four years ago and the mm -hmm. space set vacant and um, Kelsey and her family had been driving by it for years and <clears throat> decided that they really wanted to buy it and make a restaurant out of it so mm -hmm. I got a phone call and we decided that this is what we're gonna do mm. so, and it's exciting because you're in a farm community too. Yeah. so you're gonna get a lot of support from farmers when you're doing food that's coming from farms mm -hmm. Then, all right, I'm, I'm just going to wrap things up here, Rex. Uh, tell people where they can find you in person and online. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to have your speed dress or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, in, in person. Uh, <laughs> in person, I'll be at uh, Baker's and Hale. Mm. Um, we'll be opening sometime uh, latter part of June, first part of July, somewhere in that window. And uh, online, you can find me at any of my Instagram accounts. If you type in Chef Rex Hale, uh, there's two accounts. And <clears throat> uh, there's also a Chef Rex Hale on Facebook. And uh, I think the other one's called Rex Hale on Twitter. And, mm -hmm. uh, but you can find me on any of those social media sites. Mm -hmm. And there will be uh, Bakers and Hale Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram account coming very soon. Excellent. So Excellent. look those up. They'll be posted here shortly. I may have, I may send out a, a word from my other sites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People know they're up. Perfect. Hmm. Then my last question for you today is, do you have any, any final thoughts or requests you'd like to give the folks listening to us? Yeah, I, I would. I think I've said it several times, but eat local, buy local, support your local farmers, producers, ranchers, and eat real food because um, there's so much opportunity out there not to. And the mere fact that you buy from somebody locally, you're supporting somebody's family. And it's important to them as it is should be to you. And I think that we all should do that. I mean, trying to support somebody in, uh, in a farm in California, there's plenty of people in California to support those folks. So um, if you can support the people here locally, you're, you're helping them, their family, and all, all the associated people that are working with them. And same with the cheese producers and 
the wine producers, etc. And <clears throat> I really think that as a as a culture that we really need to do that because uh, that's how we'll be successful moving forward. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're going to be ending up with uh, tablets of food rather than real food. Yeah. Hey, it's efficient. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, Chef Hale, thank you so much for making the time. This was wonderful. I'll get to talk with you for a while. Thank really you. Appreciate this it. is absolutely a pleasure to actually sit down and visit. Yes, with you. absolutely. And your wine is delicious. Thank yes. you for this choice. So excellent. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Pleasure. I'm Christine Guthrie with We Eat Stuff, and this has been another episode of We Eat Stuff and Talk About Things. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. I would also like to encourage everyone to join our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash weeatstuff. There, you can become a sponsor of this podcast and all the work we do and be rewarded with cool stuff. We appreciate your support. Please be sure to join us next week for, not an interview, but it's going to be a... A grouping together of all of our past interviews. Uh, You won't want to miss it. Please, in the meantime, you guys, go out there and eat stuff. Bye.